Hello, and welcome to a special presentation of Harper Audio Presents, recorded at the American Booksellers Association's Winter Institute in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Winter Institute is a gathering of independent booksellers, publishers, and authors. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is... My name's Daniel Wallace. The name of the book is Extraordinary Adventures. Publisher is St. Martin's Press, and it's on sale May 30th, 2017. Daniel Wallace is the J. Ross McDonald Distinguished Professor of English at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where he directs the Creative Writing Program. He's the author of the novels Big Fish, Ray in Reverse, The Watermelon King, Mr. Sebastian and the Negro Magician, and The Kings and Queens of Rome. It's a warm book, a friendly book, a loving book, and it's, um, it's about this guy who is 34 years old but hasn't quite learned how to be a man yet, and the book is about how he gets his fuse lit and discovers how it's done. So tell us a little bit more about this guy and this fuse. Mm-hmm. Edsel Bronfman, um, he's the first character I've ever created um, who I feel can exist outside of the covers of the book. Mm. It's interesting for me, it's just that most of my, all of my other books, everything's existed within the covers and I couldn't see any of the story taking place outside of it. But him, I can actually see him walking out and going away, going and do something on his own. He's a shipping clerk um, who doesn't have much going on in his life other than his job and his mom, his mother, who is, who is getting um, dementia. And one day he gets a call from a outfit called Extraordinary Adventures offering him uh, all expenses paid weekend in Florida at a timeshare and all he has to do is go through the process of being sold a timeshare. And the strings attached are he has to bring somebody with him and he has to do it, has to be there within 90 days, but he doesn't have anybody to take. So this begins the process of him trying to find somebody. Yeah, so that would be the fuse. Mm-hmm. So it's a story about really kind of waking up, right? Coming of age uh, late, late yeah. bloomer, yeah. And now that you've written the book, it's scheduled for publication, you can see this character walking away. How has telling this particular story changed you? Well, it's a good question. In almost everything that I've written, I haven't been able to understand what I've written for a long time, uh, a year sometimes after I've written the book. And, and what I, do you mean by that exactly? Well, um, for instance, I, I wrote uh, one of my books is called Mr. Sebastian and the Negro Magician. And it took place in the 50s and it was about a, a, a Caucasian man who put on blackface in the 1950s, went to the South uh, to practice magic badly. And uh, I had no sense of where that story might have come from or what it was about. And it turned out, as I saw later, that it was a, a story about my sister and I and growing up with her. So this is not important to the reader, really. It's only important to me as I try to figure out where stories come from, why I write what I write. And as I'm writing it, I don't have an 
idea, a clear idea about why I'm writing or what it's really about, and I don't really want to know um, when I'm doing it. It's just interesting to me as time goes on. Um, with this book, I see um, a much closer affiliation with this guy, Edsel Bronfman, than any other character that I've written about. Um, that I see so much more of myself in him. He, he does things that I do um, in a slightly more exaggerated way, but um, I sense a, a real kinship with him. And I think um, I get myself a little bit better. But that's so secondary to everything else that I, for every I don't write it for right. for that reason. Exactly. That's just an interesting kind of sidebar. Yeah. So if if you were to sort of overhear a conversation between two readers after they're having um, read Extraordinary Adventures, do you have any hope as to what they would say or sort of what how the book would change them? Hmm. Um. I don't. I mean, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I I love overhearing people talking about moments in the book and scenes in the book and sentences in the book. Um, as far as the whole, um, this big, it's over three hundred pages. It's so many words. Um, I'm hoping that um, that the effect it'll have on people is something that will surprise me. Actually, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I want to send it out. It's like a little emissary. I want to send it out and, and see what happens. This today, what we're doing today, this is the first time ever I've talked about the book. Um, so, and how does that feel? It's not to it's sound, like I'm just not drowning. To sound too it's like shrinky. I, <laughs> it's like I'm drowning. I don't, because I'm inarticulate. Off the page, I mean, inarticulate on the page, and the and that's what re, what's great about ha, being able to rewrite books is that you don't have to be articulate the first time out. That's what I love about books, and one of the many things I love about writing is that you can get it right, you can you can nail it down, and it just takes a really long time to do that. I do feel that a reader coming to this book might understand it better than I do. Yeah. Or at least right now. Right now, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, if you want to talk about books I wrote ten years ago, yeah, you'd I could have be a really lot to say. That's so interesting. <laughs> a ton of stuff to say so about is that. that. It? it usually takes about ten years. <laughs> it takes about ten years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you a few questions as you, as a writer in general. It's my little variant on the Proust questionnaire. Um, what faults do you feel like you most indulge as a writer? In my own writing. Yes. I don't know if I indulge. I set the bar really low for myself, and I, and at the same time, um, I'm still dissatisfied with everything that I do. Uh, it's never good enough. It's only, it's it's like a table that's just barely, barely standing. You, I don't think you'd want to put a glass on any table that I built, a literary table that I built. That's how I, I feel about it. Um, but I do the best that I can do in the time that I have to do it. I think it's conceivable that I would never publish a book if I waited until that point at which I was felt like it was totally together. Uh, at some point, you start to I start loving the process and then working really hard through it and loving the art, um, how arduous it is, and getting to a 
clearing and seeing the light. But at some point, I start to hate the book. And right at that point is the time where I stop writing it. And you hand it off to who? Who's your first reader? My wife would be my first reader. And then people I work with at a school where I teach. Some friends of mine who, who are there. And is, so is that at the point where you also hand it off to an agent or an editor where you say, okay, I think I'm ready for you to read this for a possible publication? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll get feedback first. first and then work on it and then get it to somebody in the business to, to look at it and see. And it's, it's again, you know, it's, this has changed, this book has changed so much and it's changed really um, through the readings of other people. Yeah, because you can't know what you're doing until you take it out of the box and show it to people, and so they, so other eyes are um, really vital for the process. I think. Where and when are you the happiest as a writer? As a writer writing, um, it's when I'm in a place where I don't have anything else that I have to do, where that is my only thing, and that's really hard um, to hard place to be. When you have a job, yeah, you have a family. So when you, you have, teach. You teach, and you have two dogs. Two dogs, I always, but that's good. Walking the dogs can be very actually thought provoking, right? I that's where I do so much of uh, my work is walking the dogs. What kind of dogs? It, uh, what kind of dogs? I have uh, a rat terrier uh, and a cockapoo. Oh, where do you live? In Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So they tell you walk them around. And then yeah. you're thinking, right? You're working yeah. as you walk. Well, I read a quote the other day that Nietzsche said something like, any thought you have while not walking is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> really? He didn't count the shower? I would have thought maybe he would have included I don't know. the shower. Maybe he didn't take showers. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that, I haven't read a really biography, work, yeah. but he was a very stinky <laughs> philosopher maybe. Yeah. yeah, so. So that's the thing is to be in a place where you're not asked to be doing anything else. And writing itself feels so self-indulgent at times uh, that that's a tough, tough place to be in. But that is ideal. And that's what I'm trying to work on as I get older and things become more complicated is to find a place where I can be there. Yeah, find that sort of sacred time. Yeah, yeah fight for that time. Um, do you have a motto as a writer? What's your motto? Mm-hmm. Actually, I have it up in my office, okay, framed. Your, oh, perfect. Yeah, it's sit down. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is sitting down and, and writing. It, uh, it's not going to happen if you don't. Uh, so it's very simple, but I think it's the most important thing. So you're never going to be one of those guys with a stand-up desk? <laughs> You're undermining my whole philosophical existence. <laughs> Don't you understand? Here. Sitting is the new smoking. You're going to have to get a new model. Stand up, just for your own health and well-being. I really have to get on the treadmill. Some of those oh, oh God. studies. I don't know what to do anymore now. So I've been hearing about how um, authors approach naming their characters, and it's very interesting. So really, we, what do they say? Well, they're saying all kinds of things. It was a question I had. Um, you know, what are your favorite names? And everybody was confused by that question. But then mm-hmm. they started talking about how they name their characters. So now I, now I just say, so tell me about how you name your characters. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to sound facetious, but it's not. Um, I like short names for my characters, especially main characters. 
um, because you're going to be typing that name over a lot. Over and over. So in my um, first book, um, Ed, um, <laughs> I, I totally support you get that. that, right? Yes, I totally get it. I mean, um, no Polish names, you know, just I, I like vowels short. And so this is actually the longest name I think I've ever given a, a character, Bronfman, B-R-O-N-F-M-A-N. Oh, yeah. It's very challenging for me. Is it, I, I feel like I've really grown as an author. <laughs> so, yeah. You know? So it's, and, and in this, this guy, um, Ed, his name's Edsel, and um, Ed, Edsel, I mean, um, and his name clearly is inspired by the car. Which was a complete, utter, total, disastrous failure. Yeah. And the idea that you would name a child after a f- failure—it it sort of—it really helped create him. Yeah. Uh, as I went on, I mean, it was the naming him was like a magic word and created him. And do you often give your characters a name at the beginning of the process and have to change them? That's such a good question because I still I've, I have written a lot of books right, for me anyway, and I sometimes I'm writing the story and I'm really into it, and I'll bring a character in and and I want the scene to keep going. I know this person is going to come in and do something. Like okay, so this is his cousin. I'm just going to I can just, just say call him X. Just, Arthur. Yeah. No, I'm going to say Arthur. Let's just call him Arthur, and I'll change it later. And then I'll write for 20 pages and he becomes author. And there's no way that I can ever change the name. You never change the name. I can't change the name. Because he starts to inhabit author. Um, if I, uh, I am, I'm thinking about this book, I'm thinking about Edsel, um, Muriel. Uh, the only time I've changed a name is when I've accidentally named two characters the same name. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that, that's not good. Well, that's, that's, that's confusing sure to a reader. <laughs> it happens. Don't worry, as Judy Tenuta would say, it happens. Um, do you have a story about a bookseller or a bookstore that you'd like to share? I mean, I couldn't let this opportunity go by without um, a shout out to Flyleaf Books in Chapel Hill, which is where I'm from, and they're my hometown home bookstore and love everybody there um many of them also dog sit for me and oh, really? yes oh my gosh yes so i have that is plugged a in. double positive i know right if you can get <laughs> um it's uh, many of my students uh do you teach at unc i teach fiction writing at unc and so many of the students also work at the bookstore so i teach them they sell books oh, and they dog set. That's so wonderful. Is that perfect? It is perfect. Yeah. Um, the other is that I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, and there's a a bookseller there, um, Alabama Booksmith, mm-hmm. and uh, Jake, the guy who runs it, has been doing it for a number of years. He's an amazing uh, bookseller, and before he was a bookseller. I think he's a thousand years old. I think he's lived almost forever. Uh, but before he was a bookseller, he was a tailor. And he was my father's tailor. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, those are my two things. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so very much. Yeah, I, I appreciate you. the conversation. Thanks for listening. 
All of the books you've heard mentioned here are available at your independent bookstore. And if you like what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents.